Hello and welcome to this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. The Oregon Wine History Archive is located at Linfield University in McMinnville, Oregon, and is dedicated to preserving and sharing the Oregon wine story. This podcast will share these stories through oral history interviews that we've conducted throughout the industry. Please enjoy these stories. All right. My name is Rich Schmidt. I'm here with Luke Padati at his home in Carleton. It's April 6th, 2021. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Luke. We really appreciate this. Thanks uh, for coming out. First question for you, uh, why viticulture? Well, my family was involved uh, with agriculture um, starting back in the 20s. Um, I grew up in Northern California on the coast. My grandfather started a dairy, uh, purchased a dairy business from his brother-in-law um, there in 1926, and that was the ranch I was born and raised on. Um, he, uh, he raised dairy cows until 1955 and then uh, switched over to cows and sheep, beef cattle. And, uh, and then about the time I was born, my folks came back and, and helped my grandfather with a partner in the ranch. So I grew up as a ranch kid, um, men of fences, working cows and sheep and things like that. Um, so I, you know, I have a, a deep connection to, to agriculture. Um, not so much the sheep, but I like working with the cows. Uh, but uh, <laughs> anyhow, um, I went through high school, um, went off to college, started out at Santa Rosa Junior College. And, you know, at that point you're thinking, well, what am I going to do? And I, I sure like ag. I was in 4-H and FFA for a long time. But I, I knew, especially growing up down in Sonoma County, the handwriting was on the wall. My folks were looking at leaving California. It was getting too hard, hard to, to ranch. And uh, I mean, our family vacations consisted of road trips to Oregon. And so they were looking up here for a long time. And, but at that time, I, I went off to school and my folks ended up making the decision to, to get out of ranching. Mm -hmm. And they headed to Roseburg. Mm -hmm. They still live today. And I had a decision to make, and so I went off to Cal Poly because all the ag kids went down to Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo. Had friends that went down there. And uh, I wanted to stay in ag, and in Sonoma and Napa counties, the predominant industry in agriculture is grapes. So, um, and I liked it. You know, uh, so I, we had a, a family friend while um, I was still going to Cal Poly. He got me an internship over in the Alexander Valley working for Clos de Bois. And I always thought that the Alexander Valley was like the epitome of, of California vineyards. It just, it's a lot of those old uh, vineyards that uh, the Italians originally uh, planted way back when. And I just I think the Alexander Valley store and so on and so forth. But there's one of those tangents we we're talking about. But <laughs> anyways, he got me a job working there as a um, as an intern, and it was wasn't a real structured internship. It was I showed up the first day, I jumped in the back of the truck with the, with a crew, and I went out and I worked on the uh, on the end of a shovel for oh a good month and a half, um, and uh, polished up some of my Spanish uh, that I learned in high school, and got a real good sense for what um, what it's like to work in the vineyards, um, work with the crew. It was a great experience. Um, so I went back uh, after that summer. I was actually able to experience a harvest because it was an early harvest that year. Uh, that would have been 97-ish. Um, and went back, finished school, um, came out of school, got a job through a friend uh, working in the Russian River. And at that point, uh, the Russian River, you know, been known for years um, as, you know, gravestine capital and lots of apple trees orchards but a lot of those were coming out and now you know that's 25 pushing 25 years ago and so I worked went to work for a, a family operation uh, vineyard management company also owned a lot of their own land it was uh, Dutton Ranch and it was a great experience great family learned a ton and that was right during that development period and so got to experience firsthand you know just 
what it took mm -hmm. um, right out of school. I've always liked working with machinery. Um, and so had a lot of that experience, just, you know, um, putting in irrigation systems and prepping land and tractor work and things like that. And, but uh, it was a family run operation and after three years, um, uh, knew that there was a ceiling to how far I could go there. Uh, there was a, you know, younger family members coming up and so I made the hard decision to, to move on. And that came about through another friend uh, from college. She called up um, one day. My wife and I were just recently married, married in 2000. Um, and uh, she said, my dad's uh, managing about 7,000 acres of farm ground up in Willamette Valley. And he's got about 150 acres of grapes. He doesn't know much about grapes. He needs somebody to be a manager for him, be a farm manager. So, okay, that's pretty interesting. And Sonoma County, we were living in Windsor. And I, mean, I was born and raised in Sonoma County, and I have a place in my heart for it, but there was just getting to be way too many people. And it was taking forever to go down the freeway. And so we're like, no, oh, we should go up and check this out. So we made a road trip, my wife and I did, and uh, visited with, with uh, the ranch manager. And uh, he took us around, and it was, I mean, very similar today, you know, just a not a cloud in the sky, beautiful day, had a nice trip up. And uh, he showed us around some of the properties and it's like, you know, what's there not to like about the Willamette Valley, what a beautiful spot. And so we accepted and made the big jump, you know, it was an adventure. We didn't have kids at the time, so I said, okay, well, this might be an opportunity. And looking back, it certainly was. And it was a good time because, I mean, Oregon's been going for a couple generations, the wine business has. But there was a lot of stuff that was, you know, changing it 20 years ago here. So I see. I feel very fortunate, uh, just dumb luck for that to have happened, and thankful that that opportunity was given to me. So I went to work, and that employer was Dell Smith, in Evergreen uh, Aviation. Um, wasn't working for the aviation, but for the farming. So, and that was about when the museum uh, piece was just planted, just planted, and we're training it up. That was when I came in, finishing the irrigation system on it. Um, the green patch out of Dundee, uh, altogether is about 150 acres. So it allowed me to, that was really my first opportunity to, here you go, manage a vineyard mm -hmm. um, with, with limited support. Um, and that was a great opportunity. I was there for about three years. Um, got a call 2014 from Matt Novak, uh, managed results partners at the time, did for a number of years, knew him through the industry. And uh, he said, hey, uh, looking to make a change? I said, yeah, three years into this, yeah. And, um, you know, I'd been in vineyard management before and I, I liked how it was structured, you know, every day is a new day, vineyard <laughs> management, working with clients and so on. He said, do you want to change? He said, let's go talk and we did. and. You know, I, I don't I still remember Matt saying, if you like driving tractors and trucks and stuff, that's fine. But if you want to come to work for Results Partners, he says, this is where you'd learn business, mm -hmm. how, to, how to run an operation. And, and so that's the place for, this is an opportunity for you. And I said, well, that's a new opportunity. I like it. And uh, that was a great move. Mm -hmm. Really was. That was 2014. And uh, we were about, I don't know, under 300 acres at that point. We didn't have an admin department, really, uh, a daily admin department. We, on top of managing operations and development and so on in, in the field, with a really solid crew at the time, um, to this day as well. But we also did QuickBooks and did all the invoicing. And so it, I look back at that and I can remember some long days and lots of hours and late nights and, and then after that, you know, keeping up with your email. But man, did it pay off. I mean, I feel it did. Just made you, it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, uh, and then we, uh, with that, you know, as like I was mentioning earlier, the, the industry just seemed to be growing and we really went on a, on a development um, spike there um, from 2000, I said 14, 2004, I'm a decade off. Oh. That started in 2004. That changes the story a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, 
but uh, so as uh, we did quite a bit of development in that period and then by the 2000 and uh, 2009 um, you know we we're going through a bit of the recession things were kind of changing and were a little bit uncertain uh, and another opportunity came up and that was for me to go work with uh, winemakers investment properties Ken Johnston over east of Salem they were planning uh, Ken had just planted about 500 acres of uh, vineyard over there on that side as well up uh, on Ribbon Ridge and they had the Battle Creek vineyard and it was a different twist because it um, it was very much production oriented uh, with some high quality sites but it was really geared to mechanization and and you know Ken had had some really great ideas about how to do that things he brought up from California as well mm -hmm. So there, uh, I was there for three years, from uh, basically 2010, I'll get my dates right this time, 2010, 11, and 12, working with that team. And, you know, that was a great experience too. We, we ran machine harvesters before there were as many, as many machine harvesters in the valley as there is now. Um, just mechanization, doing uh, multiple things with one tractor at the same time, uh, just looking for those kinds of efficiencies. Mm -hmm. Um, good team over there. Um, and I got a call. It's <laughs> starting start to sound like a pattern here. <laughs> and I got a call. Uh, uh, Daniel Fay. Uh, after I left Results Partners, he had joined. He was the president at the time. Still is. Called me, asked me if I wanted to come back. And I said, yeah, I really do miss vineyard management, custom farming. You know, it's like I mentioned, it's every day is a new day. You've got lots of different uh, folks to work with. Uh, it's a diverse customer base, mm -hmm. uh, client base, and uh, you know the neat thing is tomorrow I might wake up and there might be you know a brand new project in front of us, mm -hmm. and and I've I've always gravitated to the development side. That's um, that's what I do. I'm currently with Results Partners. Have been ever since 2000 and into 2012, 2013, mm -hmm. and uh, head up the development department along with a few other things and have a great team um, and uh, that's all I mean this we, we say this quite often and you can't the only way to make these kinds of operations work is with teamwork and mm -hmm. people with their expertise and bringing it all together and knowing to call upon your peers mm -hmm. and uh, and that's the, allowed us to you know to grow and provide opportunities for everybody within and hopefully provide our clients you know with a really good solid service mm -hmm. how's that sound for like a promo that's pretty good i like that yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll cut that and make that put that add that for a commercial <laughs> so i'm gonna come back to rp i have a lot of questions for you about yeah. your work at rp but i'm kind of curious about your, your path along the way I, i'm did you you mentioned kind of uh kind of being thrown in at a couple of places like dutton ranch kind of being you're, you're just you're here here you go what, what tell me about the kind of learning process for you what did you what did you need to know about farming grapes that you that you didn't what was what were the hardest things for you to kind of to kind of learn and and uh learn to uh, explore for yourself well you know it's i'd say Maybe it's jumping around a bit. Maybe it wasn't necessarily learned at Dutton Ranch, but I think one thing that stands out in my mind once I moved to Oregon is that Oregon is a different beast. It's not California mm -hmm. on a lot of levels, and I think most people would agree. Um, from a farming standpoint, and the first thing you realize that first year is, wow, the weeds grow really fast here, <laughs> and don't let them, don't don't let it get, don't get behind on weed control, uh, whatever your method may be. Um, the disease pressure is, is greater here. Um, be diligent. Don't you can't always wait for the perfect time to do things. You know, I think it just comes with experience that you can see it coming. And try to avoid a train wreck or a problem. You know, um, and sometimes you have to push the, the the envelope a little bit to get things done. Um, very rarely do we see a perfect time to do things. You know, it's um, springtime. You get beautiful days like this it's time to go out there and work ground or you, it, tomorrow could just pour down rain and it might i think it's in the forecast to rain a little bit and that changes everything mm -hmm. and so um do your best job of planning ahead and when you see the opportunity just move forward mm -hmm. 
and this paid off, I feel. That too, and that's, you know, you might run into a problem, whatever the case may be, and it always, it always appears like a bigger problem initially than it really is. Sometimes you need to just back away and take a deep breath, and, and it, it always seems to work out that way. And I can, uh, you know, I think, <laughs> I mean, 2020, perfect example of that. Probably don't have to go into that too much to, to, to show the challenges of that year, but, you know, going back to 2011, looked like a cakewalk. In hindsight, you know, 2011 was a cool vintage, didn't know if we we're going to ripen anything. In some cases, it was really tough to ripen. And, uh, but, you know, as a result, I think a lot of people came away from that vintage with some new tools, both in disease control management, and, uh, uh, farming practices, and winemaking, for that matter. You know, and so, I, it's, that's, that's what gives me if anybody's you know nervous about the future that's what gives me hope i think that people in the industry are can adapt pretty darn well mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you have to tell me about developing your your kind of style or, or philosophy behind viticulture did you uh, you obviously were you were you were around a lot of different styles early on i'm assuming and tell me tell me about what take take what, what did you take away along the way as you kind of developed how you wanted to farm and ideally well, you know, I'd be lying to say there isn't a place in my heart for production agriculture and efficiencies. Um, at the same time, you know, we, we've put some, together some very nice vineyard developments on the small scale that are, that are aimed at, uh, you know, high-tier programs. Mm -hmm. And I think that I come from a different perspective because I spend a lot of time on the development side and, you know, the helping with site selection and, and the build out. It's, the vineyard is, is key component of that, but there's, that's not where it's, it stops. A lot of times there's that a house or a tasting room or some sort of a tourist, tourism venue. Mm -hmm. And I just enjoy, even though I'm, I'm not an architect, but a lot of times we're in there at the ground floor to help like kind of plan out where those different spaces are gonna be and to, to look at a rough piece of property take somebody's you know goals and dreams uh, and try to make that a reality I find that really rewarding I like the nuts and bolts part of it mm -hmm. now we farm a lot of vineyards as well and I've been involved with, with that but uh, um, and it's always very fulfilling to know that you know the the grapes that you've helped grown are going into high scoring wines mm -hmm. but you know there's a lot of different variables in that whole thing to get it to the end consumer right um, so, so it makes it unique. Mm -hmm. There's definitely some handoffs in the whole process. You know, you come in, you develop a vineyard, you farm it, deliver the grapes to the winery, and, and it's in somebody else's hands. And maybe those grapes go to five or six different wineries out of one vineyard. You know, mm -hmm. it's interesting to see how what the outcome of is from those different operations. So from the when you came back to Results Partners, was was development where you were headed right away? Was that kind of an initially part of what you were working on, or or what point did that become kind of the, the main part of your work? It's funny, you know, it's my whole career has been around development. I mean, I farm vineyards too, but it's development. The only time that development really slowed down, if you look back at when I started right out of school, Russian River, moved here, farmed for three years for at Evergreen, and then in 2004, started the development. Mm -hmm. And other than the recession with a couple of years, it kind of sloughed off a bit. Developments, I mean, it's an industry, the Oregon industry has just been, just mm -hmm. been going, going up. And we still see that, we're still planting a lot of vineyards today. Um, yeah, does that answer your question? It does, and t so tell me more about your role with that then, are, are you, you, you mentioned you mentioned your role kind of helping people realize their dreams or, or take their dreams and make them a reality. So tell me how you feel your role and how it plays out with different clients. What what, what is what is, what is the impact that you your work has on on the kind of the end goal for the client? Oh, it's communication is the big thing. You know, it's setting the uh, setting expectations, helping people shepherding the process. So, you know, if a new client comes in, uh, it's 
oftentimes I meet with those folks um, and kind of give them a, an overview from our perspective, from a growing grower's pr perspective of the industry. And it depends. If they're in a state, typically they already know what kind of grapes they want to plant and how they want to plant it. We're there to help. Uh, but we also have folks that will come in and um, who want to plant a vineyard and, and more of a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it, we're, they need a little more direction and we're happy to do that and explain that process. And, be up front with folks. I mean, it's agriculture. You're going to have good years and bad years. But, uh, yeah. Do you find that most of your clients are, are adequately prepared, or do you find that you have to do a lot of that kind of, like, up, up frontness, that, that they're, not, they're not necessarily ready for that, that talk? No, I think most people, if, if they've come to us or come to me at this point, it's, uh, I use us because I just, sorry, it's just, it's, sure. it's not just me, it's sure. in my current position, it's definitely a team, so, um, no, I think they're already mentally there, they put themselves there, and they're, they're ready to move forward at that point. Sure. Um, yeah, it's, and a lot of, a lot of those development clients over the years, we've taken it through the development process, and then in my role at Results Partners, is, is, and I've continued on as a, as a uh, client uh, manager so I'm that interface mm -hmm. and so you meet with those folks and you know and, and make sure that everything's um, is working out based uh, to plan at some point though it, it, it makes better sense once you're up into into production to move that those per those people over uh, and integrate a, a vineyard manager with an RP um, so it you know it's I'm, I'm heavily involved in the development process, but still have a foot in the, definitely in the production side. Um, but more as I, now as I, as I get older and, and, and move further up the, the chain, it's, you know, it's just more shepherding and mm -hmm. making sure people, resources are being put where they need to be put. Because mm -hmm. there's people that are far better at certain things than I am. That's part of the evolution of it all is determining that, like, you know what, I tried to, I tried that to try to be the best at that. And, you know, sometimes you have to call a spade a spade and so <laughs> time to call in reinforcements and that's okay in my, in my, you know, in my position. Tell me about the, the process for you of, of, of sort of working on a site. What, what are you looking for with clients? When the client comes to you, they have the site in mind. What is it, what is your... What do you do next? What what is your role in the process? What are you what are you looking for in a site to, to help them get what they want out of it? Yeah, it's you know there's the obvious uh, factors or uh, aspects that you're looking for. One of them being aspect, you know, <laughs> and your uh, soil type, um, of course, and elevation and things like that that all play in um, and farmability too. I mean. You could have a lot of the right aspects, but if you can't farm it, or if it's, you know, it's really steep, you know, there's a place for that type of vineyard. But at that point, you know, if you can't really mechanize it and work it efficiently, then you're you're locked into farming to the high tier. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, mm -hmm. looking at those kinds of things, it's and it's also you know getting a good understanding for what an individual wants to do long term. You know, you might look at a piece of ground a little bit differently if it's going to be developed into an estate with mm -hmm. a winery. You might look at, in terms of, you know, of planting, you might look at, you might explore some more unique varieties based on what their future wine program might be. Uh, if you're just buying, if, you're, if you bought a parcel and you plan on living there, um, and, you know, we're, and just selling the grapes, we're going to attack it a little bit different way. Mm. You know, you're, you're, you're farming then, you know. Um, and so we want to be planting marketable varieties. You'd mentioned that one of the things you like about your job is that the, the days you never really know what to expect day to day. But take us through kind of a, a typical, maybe a typical day or a typical week or month for you. What, what is, what is, what do you, what do your weeks look like, and, and what kind of, what kind of actions are you taking in a, in a normal week or month? Well, it, you know, in, in this point in my career, it's, it's. Uh, I, I guess I could speak to the, the to the vineyard side of it, but you know I'm, I'm now I, I, I'm part of the management team, and so there's just a lot of business management mm -hmm. that happens on a daily basis, and mm -hmm. we employ uh, a lot of folks, um, and uh, so there's there's that, um, 
we we run an awful lot of equipment. There's just a it's just a the nuts and bolts of running a business, you know, and capex and you know buying and purchasing new equipment, making sure that operations have what they need, mm -hmm. resources that they need. There's a lot of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, communication, you know, it because we run a fairly dynamic operation, and there is no one way to approach vineyard management. We have to be relatively fluid. Mm -hmm and uh, adaptable so you have to communicate really well internally and externally with, mm. with with clients and just making sure everything's happening the way it needs to happen you know and there's there's always a lot of um there's lots of meetings to make that happen mm -hmm. of course we're utilizing uh you know the uh, teams and skype and zoom mm -hmm. more than you ever thought you would my kids are better at it now than I am because of school. <laughs> who, who knew a year ago? But yeah, um, but then you know, I, I those those good days are when you're out there walking a piece of property, getting out on a day like this, or even a rainy day for that matter. Just looking at uh, you know, walking vineyards and uh, walking new developments. Uh, and we also do a little bit of work with with realtors now and again. Go out and, and look at a piece of property and evaluate it for feasibility. So a lot of a lot of times it's where you know uh, new clients to the mix will come come from those avenues. Mm -hmm. You talked about kind of being ahead of the mechanization curve a little bit with some of your work. Obviously, that's that's one of the bigger changes in the industry that we've we've seen. I'm I'm curious uh, from Results Partners perspective from your work. Um, uh, how has the mechanization changed and how has yeah. your work with mechanization changed and how has the industry how has it changed within the industry yeah i've always been kind of the champion i mean everyone's been full support of it uh but uh uh yeah not too many years ago i mean it was mechanization was a bad word um, just uh i think that at this point you know in the last oh seven or eight years it's really changed a lot, and I think that uh, most operations now see it as having a place somewhere in their program. Mm -hmm. If not the entire uh, operation, it's you know a good piece of it mm -hmm. or a certain mm -hmm. program that they're working with. Mm -hmm. It's a very viable option. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's uh, always labor concerns and an aging labor force, and a bit unpredictable. Um, so I mean we've had a you know I've been involved been lucky enough to been involved with that for um, quite a while now. Started out with one harvester, um, oh just about uh, would have been I want to say 2014, um, and then and we've added to the fleet and that's now we we actually machine pick about a third of what our total acreage or total tons wow. each year, which uh, is a big change. You know, it's it's it, it didn't have the best perception. I, you know, it's improved. The machinery's improved a lot, and mm -hmm. and the way you operate the machinery is a big part of it too. Mm -hmm. uh, you go into it with the right mindset that you know you're troubleshooting and you want to make something work. You're not trying to impose something. You know, if you just go out there and set them up one way and just and and beat up trellis and cause a lot of repairs, no one's going to like that very much. Mm -hmm. Uh, but uh, you know, I think that in general, I mean, mechanization has been used around the world for a long time. Uh, but here, I think that the key to make to making it work is to you're looking at picking and having the best picking the best product possible rather than stripping a vine completely, right? Mm -hmm. And it's a different kind of mindset. You know, it's it's using mechanization in a in a quality for a quality product. And so that's that's how I we've approached that. Mm -hmm. And if it's going to succeed, people need to like like the product. Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. it's been fun. It's been fun to do. There again, I mean, it 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 suits me well because I'm uh, been kind of a gearhead, you know, my whole my whole life. And you know, I, I think that's there's a lot of people in the industry that like machinery. And but I mean, that's really kind of where I you know came in on it. Mm -hmm. And it's I've it kind of it's funny how it's always been there. If I had to do it every day, I probably wouldn't like it, right? <laughs> if I had to do development every day, you know. But I just like the diversity of things and mm -hmm. 
there again, that's what, you know, the custom farming allows you to do. Mm -hmm. It's like you're not going to the same vineyard every day. You know, it's you're going to a different spot. And mm -hmm. tomorrow you might have a new project. And, you know, like I said before. So, yeah. It's a pretty fast change for mechan for the kind of like you say the kind of the how people view or how people view mechanization within the industry. So, so you talk about your your clients now that there's something they're they're expecting or they're 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 okay with being part of the program. Yeah, I think people of the wineries have had a chance to deal with it too. Mm -hmm. You have to handle machine pick fruit differently. Mm -hmm. I think they've realized that in some cases it's a economical benefit because if it's picked well and clean, it can arrive basically. It's distemmed and ready for fermentation. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there's been, I think there's really, uh, for the estate operations, there's a real major benefit there. But, um, you know, it's just, it's trying to, the key is just, just bringing a, a level of professionalism to everything you do, you know. And um, I think that resonates with people, especially in the wine business, you know. Mm -hmm. So... So you, you talk about the, the term custom farming, which I love. I love that term. Uh, you have obviously working with a lot of different clients, a lot of different levels of expertise, a lot of different levels of money, a lot of different types of sites. Uh, I'm curious, what are the what is there is there a typical a typical client for you, or a typical amount of work you have to do, or, or, or are all of them fairly unique? Well, they're fairly unique anymore. Yeah, kind of runs the, the spectrum. I, you know, ten years ago, it was a lot of folks uh, uh, purchasing relatively small pieces of property and becoming growers, you know, through us. And uh, have some really good experiences with those folks. You know, it's, it's, it's enjoyable about that as they show up happy because it's not like we're here to change your, you know, fix your plumbing. We're here to, <laughs> we're here to put in this vineyard and it's gonna be, it's gonna be viticulturally sound as well as part of, in a small, on the small scale, it's gonna also be uh, part of your landscaping. Mm -hmm. And so that's the fun part, you know, you don't wanna, Everything, doing stuff very nice, orderly, and professional, and everyone's happy at the end. Mm -hmm. um, so um, that's the one spectrum. And the, you know, over over the years, you know, in in the last, you know, the last ten years or so, primarily, I'd say probably a lot of it came out of the recession. Uh, I, uh, not speaking for everyone, but I mean, there's a, a number of wine. Uh, companies, uh, wineries, estates that decided that, you know, uh, maybe outsourcing vineyard management was the thing to do. Uh, needed to, maybe they focused more on, you know, their resources on winemaking and marketing and selling their wines and, and bringing a, bring a team. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of hard to replicate that when you, you know, there's good people out there, good individuals out there, but when you bring in a team and then you add up all that experience, sounds like another promo again. But. <laughs> You know, it's it's kind of hard to replicate that, uh -huh. and it's there. If going in and to the to the business and planting a vineyard and learning all along the way could be fun, some of the time. But you know, you're more than likely going to learn the hard way mm -hmm. uh, at some point. Mm -hmm. You know, and so it's like there's the benefit of that. So yeah, I think we run the gamut. It's, there's 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 smaller uh, smaller producers, and then there's estates that are pretty large and mm -hmm. we work with closely and, and we try to integrate you know I don't we don't see ourselves I don't feel as myself as being a contractor you know, it's uh, or a partner as the name would imply imply I suppose but you know it's um, it's a long it's a long-term thing too I mean a development client typically is somebody that you know you're starting a relationship with and you hope to be managing their vineyard for a long time mm -hmm. You know, and so it's you're going to have, you know, just like with Mother Nature, there's going to be good years and bad years. And it's how those people handle those situations, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. feels like. So with, with if a client comes to you, how much flexibility do they have in terms of what services you'll do and you'll offer? Uh, do you are you kind of a how, how customizable is, is what RP will do for them? Yeah, we're pretty, pretty open. I mean, we're. Sir, we're in the service business, you know, it's, um, I mean, we have, we obviously have standards. Um, you, you know, you need to be able to stand behind your work. Uh, but that's not typically the, something that we're confronted with. Um, yeah. 
So you mentioned, um, I want to talk about, go back to Sonoma for a second. I'm curious about the, the changes you saw there uh, while, you were, while you were working in Sonoma. Uh, and then kind of how, the, how that compares to the, the changes you've seen here. What, 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 what was Sonoma like when you left versus when you kind of started working in it? Um, well, you know, at uh, Sonoma County, even when I was a kid, but definitely in my, my, uh, during my parents' time there, I mean, it's, it was fairly diversified. There was dairies and chicken farms and uh, there were some grapes. And, cattle and sheep and, and and that it you know nothing against that area i have a lot of connections back to that area but it's it definitely it's it feels more like a mono egg down there now mm -hmm. um when coming up here my wife and i felt and it's very similar up here in the willamette valley to sonoma county where i grew up it's one of the things that attracted us to it mm -hmm. you know you got the mountains and the snow you got the coast out here and you've got really nice you know summers mm -hmm. growing the same type of grapes you know um, so it, uh, but the handwriting was on the wall that things were getting busy down there. And I, I see a lot of similarities still to this day. You know, it's, it's, this, it's taken a long time. It's taken two generations, uh, to, to establish this wine industry, to become world renowned, you know, to have the draw that it has. And that brings in more talent and, and we just improve. Mm -hmm. But there's also other things that come along with that. Uh, we need business, people need jobs, we need tourism. Mm -hmm. but there comes congestion, there comes lots of different personalities and mindsets. Mm -hmm. um, so just pointing out the obvious. <laughs> but I, you know, I think that we, we kind of figured that this might be 10 to 20 years behind. It's so far, it's kind of proved. From what I remember mm -hmm. being there and living in Sonoma County, I think that we're kind of going that same. Now, that being said, I think that Oregon does have, um, has done a really good job of branding itself. You know, I think that there's much more of a, a broader holistic approach to farming in general up here, but in the, in the wine industry. And that's important, I think, to keep. You know, I think that's distinct. Mm -hmm. And uh, so if people keep making the right decisions, being proactive. We don't want things imposed upon us here. You know, um, we just want to be good stewards. I mean, it's, honestly, it's how I feel. I'm not just saying this for the camera, you know. It's, uh, you know, because we also want to live here, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, raise kids here and things like that. So, mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I wonder about that too. You know, you look at the, price of land that property value is going way up for a lot of reasons right now but you think you see what has happened in, in Sonoma Napa where it's you know it's perhaps you know it's, it's challenging for people to find a place to, to live and you, you need all spectrums you need people to be able to work and service businesses and and so on and so forth and you know so you you hope that things can stay affordable for everybody and uh, you know, here in the area so that you can continue down that path. And I don't know what the answer is to that, but, you know, I would like my kids to, if they wanted to stick around and come back after school, after college, and live here. If they want to get in the wine industry, great, if not. But if they wanted to come back here, I'd like for them to be able to afford to. Mm -hmm. And I think that could be, you know, something that comes with the wine industry, mm -hmm. you know. You know, and to, to, to continue down that path, I mean, it's still the, the you, we say that the, the price of land is, is going up. I do. Um, we observe that, but it's still relative to other wine industries, other wine regions. It's pretty affordable, and I think that's one of the reasons what's just redirecting people here, hmm. in addition to the quality product that's being produced, and, mm -hmm. you know. Absolutely. You talked about your first impressions of the, of the valley itself. I'm curious, what were your what were your first impressions of of Oregon's wine industry? What did you think of it when you first started sort of becoming familiar with it? Um. Well, uh, quite honestly, uh, <laughs> at the beginning, I think it was where I was situated when I first came. When I moved up, I was working for a production vineyard and, I, and a lot of those vineyards were on the valley floor. 
Um, and here in in Oregon, at least in the Willamette Valley, um, you know, it's the general thought is that heavier soils, uh, thicker, deeper soils don't produce as high quality grapes. And there's definitely, you know, I guess in some realm there's some, you know, there's validity to that. It all depends on the pro, on your program. And so I came here in a and it started in a production environment, which, you know, even though it was close proximity to the Dundee Hills, it wasn't in the Dundee Hills, uh, probably would have helped if I would have been more involved, got out more, was more proactive, joined more groups and associations. Mm -hmm. That's, I, looking back, I probably should have done, done more of that. Probably should do more of that today. You know, you always find a, a project that keeps you busy. Mm -hmm. We delayed this interview because we were planting, right? So, kind of create your own issues. But I think there's, there's, um, as the industry has grown, those larger production sites make better sense because we have larger programs, mm -hmm. and we're trying to be price competitive. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're twenty dollar bottle of wine or below, you know, you need to be buying. You get your your grape costs have to align with that. Mm -hmm. And that has to make sense for the grower. If that's going to make sense, if they're going to get paid less per ton, they need to be able to produce more. So there's a place for it, and that's making a whole other discussion. I think personally, it's good to have that. I think it shows that we've arrived. We've that's a, that gets a lot of new drinker wine drinkers in. They can afford that. We've heard all this before, you know. Buy that wine, and then they, you know, they tend to believe that people tend to buy up, especially mm -hmm. as their income rises. So I think it's good. And it just gets the wine, organ wine, in more hands, mm -hmm. and it's just, just a different aspect. Mm -hmm. But we're a small industry up here, relatively speaking. You know, still really small. Mm -hmm. So I talk about you. you did we talk about mechanization already, but I'm curious about other viticulture vineyard uh, sort of technologies or practices that have changed in your in your time. What what are some of the biggest developments in, in vineyard work that, that you've that you've seen in, in your time working? I just, you know, I think it's the improvement of, of mechanization in general. Um, I mean, it's some of this stuff's just been a kind of a natural evolution and fairly basic. But you know, I, I think the industry as a whole used to we used to go through and hand hedge an awful lot. We we did that an awful lot. We did a lot of hoeing of weeds, you know, and and you look back and go, why? Why did we do that? You know, and there's such simple ways to mechanize that. Sometimes you just have to takes the right people to start it you know and you just kind of get used to doing things because that's the way you've done it right mm -hmm. and so you just have to look ahead and be more proactive I think machine harvesting is big cat <laughs> um, he's gonna jump up in my lap next but um, yeah you know it, it, that's probably key mm -hmm. yeah I think that you have to, it's also understanding the best times to, you know, to, to still do things by hand mm -hmm. in those key times and then how you bring in uh, equipment. The, the thing is with, with uh, mechanization, I don't believe, even though there are vineyards in certain regions that are darn near 100% mechanized, I don't believe we'll ever get that, get, get there here. I mean, there's some vineyards and some hillsides that just won't allow for it. And we also sell premium product. I think you'll be able to justify that, you know, mm -hmm. the cost, the price. Mm -hmm. But um, it's really, it's, it's mechanization, it's, it's the blending of the mechanization with the hand labor mm -hmm. um, and, and utilizing those two things the best. And, mm -hmm. um, most effectively and, and, you know, and just, the key is just you know, keeping people motivated to come to work and and enjoy what they're doing and and um, take care of things. Yeah. So you talked earlier about 2020 and, I'm, and I, I, I uh, have a couple questions about it. Obviously a couple, a couple of very impactful parts of 2020. So we'll start with, with the pandemic and, and its effect on, on your work and on, and on your kind of day-to-day, week-to-week work. Um, what, were, what was sort of the immediate aftermath uh, last spring, and, and how did you? What were the kind of the adaptations you had to make to, for, to keep your work going? Well, I mean, in in general, I mean, it, 
it was we, we tried to be proactive right off the bat and and be very cautious with it and social distancing and masking and there was a lot of other things that uh, requirements that were put into place that um, you know just in terms of sanitation and so on and so forth you know it um, yeah I mean it was a challenge as it was for just about anybody in any business um, you know it uh, but then when the fires came it was like wow what's next um, and uh, and it was you know during that that time period it um, it's tough because we were inundated with snow, smoke mm -hmm. and we have a perishable crop out there and so we you made it to you know it was, at that point it was it was optional you know we have grapes to pick and you know and then and, and, and when we're where we were handpicking and a lot of people decided they wanted to come to work and they were equipped with masks that was handy we already had those but um you know we didn't we didn't pick for very long and during those days but um you know bottom line is you know folks need uh, people don't have not everybody has the luxury to just take the day off mm -hmm. right you know and mm -hmm. and uh, there was expectations out there so um, it all turned out you know you adapt but you, you got to stay ahead of things mm -hmm. and that was, was that was definitely a team effort mm -hmm. what was the the impact for you in terms of you mentioned obviously the fires during harvest uh, how much did that alter your work? How much did it alter your schedule? I mean, you, you mentioned you were, you were still had to pick. Were you picking? Were, there, were you picking less in less places, or, or how, how did how did the smoke affect that? Well, as it turned out, I mean, there was there's a lot of grapes that were rejected, uh, and so those who had contracts for those grapes decided they were going to forego it altogether. But what that spurred was uh, this whole process of reaching out to those people who did want to continue, who needed grapes. And uh, and uh, basically, in the middle of harvest, while we're trying to pick, uh, creating new contracts, um, and navigating all that, that that added a whole other layer to things. And unfortunately, at the end of the year, everybody's just about everybody found a home for their grapes. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And there's some there's definitely. I mean, I understand it's a dynamic thing, and there's different reasons out there. And and I understand, you know, why. Some folks decided it was too much of a gamble to take the grapes. You know, it's a big commitment. Mm -hmm. And there were some other folks that, that decided, well, that, you know, there was an opportunity to, to, to jump out there and buy up some grapes and mm -hmm. help some growers out. And there's a lot more people buying crop insurance now. <laughs> We've heard that a couple of times this fall or this spring and fall as well. Yeah. Interesting how that works. Yeah. But that's ag, right? Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned you mentioned learning hard lessons before. I guess this is another one of those kind of hard lessons. Yeah, yeah. But you know, it's like yeah. There again, it's like something seems really challenging. You're like, oh, it's, it's never. Not that any of that was good that happened last year, but you know, they always so far in my life, it seems like that initially it seems rough. You just sometimes you got to put your head down and you can navigate it, and uh, that's what really creates a team atmosphere, you know, and that's. You know, that's a really rewarding part of my job, you know, uh, is when you see people step up and take initiative, mm -hmm. um, who work smart, mm -hmm. you know. Um, that's pretty rewarding, mm -hmm. you know. Makes you happy. <laughs> makes you makes the team solid, you know. Bad, I mean, you know who, who to count on in those times when mm -hmm. things get bad and they're there, you know, everyone's pulling through. Mm -hmm. That was definitely the case last year. So it gives me a lot of confidence in people I work around, you know, in the industry, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, let's talk about. I'm talking about the industry a little bit more in general, and, and it's and it's sort of how it reacted to both both the the pandemic and and the smoke, uh, the fires. Uh, what did what kind of adaptations did you see? What, what, how did the industry change last year? And and, we're, and as we're coming out of it this year, and hopefully having a, a more normal harvest, what do you see uh, kind of going forward for for the industry in, in those regards? Well, one is uh, crop insurance. <laughs> I already mentioned that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I can't really speak to the winemaking side that much. And I'm sure they're learning a lot there on how to deal with this, not wanting to deal with it again, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a process, you know. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a global wine industry thing. You know, it's unfortunately fires affected the entire West Coast and Australia, 
I mean, so I, 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 I would assume at some point we're going to have a pretty good, hopefully we can prevent fires mm -hmm. somehow or reduce it. Some of that's natural, but, um, but I think that there's enough the smart people in the industry. And I, I think that we'll get to a point where we'll have, make some strides there. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it could be debated at harvest time, you know, should I pick it early before it's really ready to go? Uh, to reduce the exposure to the smoke in that instance, or should I machine pick it or should I hand pick it? You know, it's, it, and you've done a lot of these interviews and there's a lot of different opinions on things. So mine would, mine's just one of them. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, I'm gonna go back to something you, you mentioned a second ago about kind of the, the team around you at Results and the, and, the, and, the, and the staff. Obviously you mentioned kind of being in a, in a senior management role now as, as you've worked up there. Tell me about um, the, what you kind of look for as you're hiring training people and, and sort of the, the, the leadership style you're, you're, you're going for there. Yeah, uh, want people who are uh, self-motivated or trustworthy. And, you know, anymore it seems like you get a good, pretty good feel for somebody that you can trust. Someone's got good morals and ethics. It's, people can see right through that if you don't. And those are the kind of people you want to work with. Those are the kind of people that our clients want to work with. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a long-term deal. Mm -hmm. So, good problem solvers, people that ask questions, you know, ask the right questions. Well, no question's a bad question, really, when you get started, but you know what I'm saying. It's, it's uh, you gotta have a little bit of drive, you know? Uh, it's, you don't have to have an ag background, by any means. Um, but, you know, the understanding the seasonality of agriculture and the work expectations. That's what it is. It hasn't changed ever, <laughs> you know. It, who knows? It might change in the future here. Um, but um, it's, when it's time to, you know, make hay, it's time to make hay, mm -hmm. as, they, as the saying goes. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, we all, there again, at, at, at RP, we all have our respective roles and things that we focus on. But at the end of the day, everyone's wearing a lot of different hats. And when it's time to pick grapes, that's what we're all kind of here for. So everything kind of comes to a screeching halt, and that's the focus. Mm -hmm. And everybody understands that, you know, mm -hmm. in in the industry as well. You know, you might be working on a development project, like, you know, we're going to go and switch over to machine harvesting now, or mm -hmm. whatever the case may be. And mm -hmm. it's a fun time, most of the time, at harvest. <laughs> you know, it's uh, luckily it's 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 pretty short up here. Mm -hmm. I you know I've got friends down in in Lodi and California. Um, you know, their grape season twice as long as ours. And, uh, you know, uh, but up here where it's, you know, solid four to six weeks, depending on the year. Mm -hmm. It's really kind of in the thick of things. So it's easy to make that big push. Mm -hmm. We're, you know, working seven days a week, whatever you need to do. Mm -hmm. So you talked a little bit about some of the, some of the changes you've seen in Oregon. I'm, I'm curious as you look ahead for the wine industry kind of in, in general, what, what is Oregon wine going to look like uh, in the future? I think there's some, I, I think we're going to have to see some more vertical inter integration. I think there's going to be consolidation just because costs are rising mm -hmm. in general out there. Um, you know, I don't want to be doom and gloom because it's not, but you know, I think that if you're vertically integrated, you can have a better, have more, your hands on more levers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that means taking it to the end product, you know, um, there'll, there'll be places for small high-end growers, but it might take time to, to get into those programs and prove a vineyard out and the quality and, you know, Growing grapes is not too dissimilar, and selling grapes is not too dissimilar to, to selling wine. I mean, you have you have a product out here and you have to tell the story and why it's better than somebody else's and why it's gonna make quality wine, mm -hmm. you know? And so there's that whole process. And uh, what about as you look ahead for yourself? Uh, what, what, what do you see in your, in your own future and for the, in the, for the future at uh, RP? Well, I've planted a three-acre. I'm planting a three-acre <laughs> vineyard, so I was going to retire next year. <laughs> no, uh, you know, it's uh, 
uh, business as usual. It's it's you know it's an exciting time right now, and um, you know we're we're growing in a lot of different ways, and, and I have no plans to change any of that. Um, but you know, back to your earlier question about where are things going, it's uh, the industry. You know, it's going to continue to evolve. Um, I I see there's there's more estate operations mm -hmm. now, mm -hmm. and the states um, they it's a bit of a different model per se for for us, and that is there's just more going on, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so there's more folks looking for. Uh, more holistic type farming. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it's incorporation of permaculture, mm -hmm. uh, animal husbandry. Uh, you know, regenerative farming is a big thing now too. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, as an industry, we have to, you know, we need to adapt and look at new ways of doing things. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and so, I think we'll see more of that. And I think the estates will be able to provide that. I mean, there's also this whole other tourism element too. You know, if you're an estate. And so many people have have invested in tasting rooms and direct to consumer sales and creating the ex wine experience. And you know we're involved in that to a degree. You know the vineyards being well kept and well designed and everything else that goes into that and making it a pleasant place. Mm -hmm. You know that's what's kind of fun. It's just there's just a lot of things going on, and I think that you'll see we'll see more of that. And I think it kind of supports that overall organ. Uh, standpoint and that image in the wine industry of just more holistic. It's an incorporation of the whole farming units, the closed loop thing. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's there's a lot of people that farm sustainably, a lot of people that are live certified, a lot of people that philosophically like farming organically. They may not be certified, mm -hmm. but you know they're doing whatever they can from a philosophical standpoint to do that. Um, so those are all good things. Mm -hmm. You talk about the, that change toward sort of sustainable, uh, holistic agriculture, maybe a little bit more permaculture, animals. How does that change your role when you're, if from what you're doing and when you're advising? Do you have, is there, is there more you have to learn and know? Is there more, more kind of more tools you have to have to, to do that? Yeah, I mean, it would, it would uh, evolve into having, yeah, more expertise and the right expertise and resources there. But there again, you know, it's, <clears throat> You know, we're, I'm part of, of running a, a business and providing a service and, and to many folks who maybe are absentee or aren't directly involved with the farming or the uh, property, the overall management of a property. Um, yeah, I think that there's, I think there's, there's going to be more people that need that and I think mm -hmm. that you're, you're helping them out if they could have one point of contact kind of brings it all together, you know, and, and the accountability comes with that too. You, you have to, you have to realize that and anticipate that and that's okay, hmm. you know, but you need to have the right team in place. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, you know, it's kind of part of, part of what I do with the, with the rest of the management team. Hmm. What's the vision? Where are things going? You know, how are you going to adapt? How are you going to be viable, you know? Interesting. So if someone were to come to you and ask about somebody who wanted to do what you did in the future, what would your words of wisdom be to get it, getting into the industry and, and kind of the, 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 uh, the initial path to take? I still don't feel there is any substitution for hard work. And that doesn't mean necessarily going out and, and, and digging a ditch with a shovel for, you know, two months straight. <laughs> but you ought to get out and, and understand spend some time in everybody's shoes understand what everybody's up to you can't you can't graduate from school and and expect to get a six-figure salary salary or a management title or manager title it's i think it's just it was maybe i'm just because i'm getting older now and i'm this i'm fitting into this old codger thing but it's just <laughs> like you know it's it, it you know it's you got to put your time in and prove yourself and uh, everything else will fall into place. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're trustworthy and do what you say you're going to do, mm -hmm. follow through. You know, so mm -hmm. it's uh, 
I, I don't think there's much of a substitute. You have to be smart too. <laughs> you have to make some, you gotta have some luck, you know, but that all comes with it. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's, uh, that would be my advice to somebody just starting out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Perfect, like it. Get the foundation down too. You know, it's, it's really easy and I'm to blame too. It's like, to want to go chase a special project and there's definitely times for those kinds of things, but a lot of it comes down to, I mean, let's, the root of it, it's farming. What I'm involved with, we're farming grapes, but it's farming and there's commonality there. And that is work on getting the basics done, the timing right, you know, uh, get to the special projects and the fun projects when you can mm -hmm. or cleave out some time when you got the foundation. Make sure your weeds are under control, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's really basic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's in that regard. Mm -hmm. like it. All right, that's all the questions that I have for you. Is there anything I didn't ask that I should have? Anything we didn't cover here today that we should have covered? I don't think so. All right. Well, excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time, for your stories, for your hospitality on this perfect day. Thank you for rescheduling yeah. so we could have this perfect day together out right here. Yeah. And we're, uh, we're going to let you off the hook. Thank you. Thank Appreciate you. it. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. And thank you to all the supporters, partners, donors, and interviewees who have made our project a success. Be sure to check out our website at OregonWineHistoryArchive.org for more interviews, plus photographs, wine labels, and more. And stay tuned for more interviews as we tell the story of Oregon wine. The Oregon Wine History Archive podcast is brought to you by the Oregon Wine History Archive at Linfield University. The executive producer is Kiana Anderson. Producers are Rich Schmidt, Rachel Woody, Stephanie Hoffman, and Camille Weber. Special thanks to all the Linfield Archive students who have assisted on our oral history interviews.